Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday. Time for another episode of the Cape Cod Times Lifestyle Show, Life with Gwen. I'm Gwen Friss, Lifestyle Editor, and I have the pleasure of bringing someone in every week. People are so kind to share their time. Today's guest is Executive Chef Steve Harris. Hi. How are you doing today? I like to call you Chef. I could call you Steve, but I like to call you Chef. Chef is fun. Got your whites on. I do. My dress whites today. Anyway, um, Chef Harris is here from the uh, Green Pond Yacht Club, and he agreed to come on so that we could talk a little bit about um, something that happens every year, and this year it's tomorrow, which is World Pasta Day. We're going to talk a bit about pasta and also about private clubs, because you are a private dining club, That's correct, yep. and, uh, and learn a little bit about both. So... Why don't we start by your telling me a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, the culinary field? Well, restaurant business is one that grabs you and keeps you for your rest of you for your entire life. So uh, when I was a young kid, I wanted to uh, buy a guitar and talk to my dad. He said, you better go get a job. And there was a local restaurant down the street that uh, hired a lot of the kids that I knew. So I got a job uh, washing dishes. And quickly, the owner there one night, uh, one of his cooks walked out on him. So he called me up and said, hey, I need you to come over to my restaurant and fry some fish for me. So I worked at a fryer later. I think it was 4 or $5 an hour we made back then. Uh, but I instantly fell in love with cooking. So Was that on Cape Cod? No, that was in Rhode Island. I'm from uh-huh. southern Rhode Island. Uh, I spent most of my cooking, adult cooking career in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, up until about 10 years ago when I moved to Martha's Vineyard, did a lot of private cooking for celebrities and politicians. Uh, but I've been on Cape Cod for about eight years now. So you're probably a professional, and you won't be able to tell us any any cool stories about those celebrities and politicians. That's true. I can't list any names, but we've seen a lot yeah. of fun stuff. We've seen a lot of fun, a lot of fun activities going on. It must be. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a great business, particularly to be in. in the summer, of course. Of course, yep. It's a fun business. So now your your new job is kind of a little bit of each. You know, it's it's uh, running the restaurant at the uh, Green Ponds Yacht Club in yep. in Falmouth. Yep. And uh, tell me a little bit about the facility. And as you guys can all see, we're sitting here with a plate of pasta that smells as good as it looks. Um, But I'm trying not to be distracted by it. And we'll get to the pasta in a little while. It's not going anywhere. So tell me a little bit about uh, where you are now at at, uh, Green Pond. So the Green Pond Yacht Club is a private club um, right on the marina in East Falmouth. Uh, It's been there for about close to 10 years now. Um, I took over the kitchen about two years ago. my wife is a general manager there, and the owner was trying to get me on board for a while. He had tried my food a few times, and uh, so he finally convinced me to, to come on board, and I did about, uh, like I said, about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And it's a great little club right in the marina, beautiful views, incredible menu. I have some great cooks that work with me. Uh, it's great to be able to mentor younger cooks. I'll hold this up. We, uh, we actually... I don't think you guys can be able to read it, but uh, but we will look at some of the entrees in a moment, especially the the pasta entrees. Yep. Um, it uh, before we move on to pasta, I wanted to ask you because you actually called us to say that you thought there was a piece of the miss the message that was missing, and that was simply that that. Uh, 
there were some benefits and possibly, and it might be more affordable than people realize to be part of a private club. And that's something I realized be, being a part of this private club. Um, I was really surprised at how affordable it was. Thank you. You're going to join a yacht club or you're going right. to join a golf club or something. It's uh, the price is kind of beyond reach for a lot of people. It's not, it's very affordable. Hmm. Um, it's gives a lot of benefits of going to a restaurant in the summer where you really don't have to wait for a table. You know, you're not standing in line for an hour as if you go to some other restaurants. Um, you get a lot of benefits of being able to use the club and the private facilities. We do a lot of events, cooking classes, wine dinners. Uh, we did a cooking class last night where members got to come in and sign up and come in the kitchen with me and cook a bunch of food and sit down and eat together. And uh, It's really a, it's a kind of a family atmosphere at the Green Pine Yacht Club. It's, it's very much a cheers kind of place. Well, you That's walk in, everyone knows everybody. It's all lo- a lot and of We're not talking like, you know, $50,000 membership fees or anything. No, you're, talk- you're talking $500 a year or so for a lot of these clubs around here. And it's more of a dining club. You don't have to own a yacht or a boat to be a member of a yacht club. Um, it's really Okay, well, that's interesting because yeah. I'm pretty far from owning a yacht. <laughs> you and me uh, both. You, you know. and me both. So it's so. really affordable, you know, and you can, uh, like, again, you get a lot of benefits of being able to use the club for lunch parties or business luncheons or meetings or just and not having, function. if you like to, to uh, you know, do those small dinner parties mm-hmm. or medium and um, and not having to pay for the, the space if you're, just for if whatever you remember, food you don't order. pay a rental fee, which mm-hmm. some places you'll pay up to $500 for, to rent a room. Or more. Or more yeah. in a private mm-hmm. club or in, in any facility. Um, so it really is affordable um, and it's really kind of a fun place to be a part of. So it's great for me. Um, I'm lucky to have the, the man that owns the restaurant, Harry Turner, uh, owns the club, is a, gives me complete culinary uh, creative control. I can do whatever I want and make whatever I want as long as everyone's happy with it, which so far they have been. Uh, we get to we get to have fun and and just kind of have fun in the kitchen. It's like a big playground for me and my cooks. And I'm sure that people love to come in and watch you cook. I don't know if um, many of you have had a chance to be in a professional kitchen, but it is pretty exciting. And of course, one of my favorite things in a busy kitchen is that you have uh, a staff that is helping. So you use a pan and it goes into the little container to be taken away and washed by someone. Yep. I so want to have that at my kitchen. Isn't it nice to have that at home? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> it's so much better cooking in the kitchen at work than it is at home. That's right. You have to wash your... I tend to go to report the uh, one pan meals at home because I'm the one washing the pan. But, uh, and when I asked you if you could come by, I said, uh, is there pasta on the, uh, on the menu? And you said, well, I, I, again, I'm a, uh, I grew up in Providence mainly during my culinary career, right. a very high Italian restaurant mm-hmm. ratio in Providence, of course. Um, so Italian cooking was in my life since I was a kid, and uh, it's just something that I love to do. And ended up owning a restaurant in Providence that I bought from an Italian guy, my wife and I bought. Um, well, I really learned how to cook pasta and learned how to cook traditional Italian food. Um, so it was a lot of fun. But that's really, you know, the root of the root of it all. The Italian food that I grew up on was pasta. I ate a lot of pasta growing up in my house. That's wonderful. We made our own and pasta, and we, we ate a lot of it. You know, pasta, um, it was sort of interesting. Uh, tomorrow, for, for those of you who don't know, tomorrow is World Pasta Day. And I did a little digging around and found out that in 1995, on October 25th, 1995, there was a World Pasta Congress held in Rome. Countries from all over the world, even countries you wouldn't associate with pasta, came and they learned about uh, the ways, different ways of using pasta, of, of treating pasta, of cooking pasta. And I thought it would be fun if we could talk about some of those things today so sure. that, you know, you might give our home cooks <coughs> who are 
poor people home washing their own hands, yes. some advice on you know different types of pasta to use and and different uh, you know little tips about uh, you know how we can get pasta that that smells as good as the one sitting here. This is your fra diablo. Lobster fra diablo. There's a little, an entire lobster in there. You don't think tail. you're getting out of the building with that, do you? <laughs> I didn't think I would, no. <laughs> so, and, um, and so it's a bit spicy. It's a little spicy with some red pepper flakes in there. And uh, with this particular pasta, we like to use the wide ribbon pappardelle pasta, mm -hmm. which is a great pasta for soaking up sauce. It really holds the sauce well. I always like um, the texture of, of that pasta because it, it, when I've had it, it's been sort of between tender but with little al dente bites in the exactly. center. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of the draw of this pasta. The wide ribbon, you know, like a fettuccine or a linguine that's very, very uh, thin as opposed to this. This kind of holds the sauce, but you said it get a nice texture to it. Um, it's almost like a lasagna noodle except sliced, you know, the way you make it. But there's so many different kinds of pastas for so many different sauces. And we offer quite a few at our restaurant, you know, everything from angel hair to penne pasta to pappardelle, linguine, fettuccine. Um, and there's so many different ones. You know, you can buy dried pastas at the store that are just fine, or you can buy fresh pastas in the frozen section. Uh, you can try making pasta at home, which is fun. You don't need an expensive, fancy machine to make pasta. It's pretty simple to make. See, that would, for me, be a party. I have my friends over and, and break out a couple of bi bottles of, uh, of a nice red, you yep. know? Yep, and, so. that, and that's what we do. My wife and I and our kids, we, we do that a lot. So it's, uh, it's definitely a community-based thing, and that's pasta brings people together. You know, you sit around the table, and there's a big bowl of pasta going around the table and lots of different sauces. You know, you mm -hmm. can use them with so many different sauces with pasta. And some sauces you want to toss with the pasta in the pan, like this one in particular. You know, when you're using a nice hearty red sauce, we make our own tomato sauce. It's a recipe I've been using for 20 years. I stand by it. And we cook this. And then you toss it in the pan and let the, all the juices get into the pasta before you put it on the plate. You know, some of the best pasta dishes are from pan to plate. When it comes out of that pan, it goes right in the plate. So mm -hmm. you'll strain the pasta. And a lot of times when you're straining pasta, you want to use a little bit of that pasta water to thicken up your sauce, depending on the sauce that you're making, whether it's a chicken albert or an alfredo sauce. or Because it has all the starch that's come off the pasta. To thicken your sauce up. To thicken so, it up. Yep, it's a nice mm -hmm. thickening agent instead of using flour or baking uh, starch or anything like that. So. Actually, this will come as a surprise to Chef, but, you know, for all of our uh, readers at the Cape Cod Times, all of our viewers, uh, I am going to try and get uh, some tips and, and uh, a recipe from you before uh, okay, before next Wednesday's uh, food page so we can sure. uh, have them there as well. And in the meantime, if you have questions, anyone who's watching, you have a question about uh, pasta, pasta sauce, um, please feel free to type it in and our producer, Jason Kolnos is here today. He will uh, write it up and we'll ask the chef while he's here. Um, so feel free to join in and get your questions answered, depending on what you're planning to make for World Pasta Day. Thank so you. one thing I've noticed is even in, you know, not a specialty store, just the grocery store, okay. there's really been uh, a lot of new shapes and sizes added in terms of, of pasta. Could we go through a few of the pastas that you see, you know, the dry pastas, yep. and talk about what makes them, uh, you know, what they're good for in terms of which, uh, which dish to, to make? Well, this Thousands and thousands of shapes of pasta out right. there too. So, and you, like you said, you can go. We to only have a half store. hour. I know. So we, we can talk about this all day. Pick three. Uh, but uh, you know, there's there's different shapes and different sizes for different reasons. Like I said, a pappardelle is great for a hearty sauce, holds mm -hmm. it together. Um, an angel hair per se, which is a nice thin pasta that cooks really fast in the water, is great for a thinner sauce. A lot of people I always like, that. like angel hair with pesto. 
for some reason. Maybe it's works great with it. Scampi works great with it with shrimp and nice garlic and olive oil sauce, or they call it aglio olio with garlic and a little bit of red pepper flake, classic mm -hmm. Italian dish. Uh, those work great. And then there's the smaller pastas, uh, orchietta, which is the shape of an ear. Right. You know, and that one really... It means ear, right? It, it does. Mm -hmm. It means ear in Italian. It, it, holds, it holds the sauce really well. So if you put a... Say you use that with a with a Alfredo type sauce. Yep. It kind of holds it in, which is you'll see that with a mac and cheese or something like that. Sometimes uh, the, the little shaped pastas that kind of have a little cup in them to hold the sauce in. So those work really well How as well. How about like pen? Is it pen or penny? Penne. 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 Yep. How about penne? What's a what's a good dish for that? Penne pasta again goes great with a, like a creamy hearty sauce, like mm -hmm. an Alfredo. You'll see it's penne like the with a thin, thin tube, right? Yep. Thin tubes okay. without the without the ridges on it, right. like you'll see in a rigatoni, which also mm -hmm. you know a lot of times the ridges or crevices in pasta, they're put there intentionally to hold sauce and to keep things together. Um, so you'll see penne with a bolognese a lot with a meat sauce because the meat sauce will get inside the tube of the pasta. And when you're eating it, it kind of fills up the whole pasta. Yeah. So, so they're actually, they're, they are by design pastas. They, they were designed a certain way to, to, to uh, encourage the juices and the flavors of the sauces to really come together with each bite. So that's, that's really, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people will make, like I said, make fresh pasta at home. You'll buy dried pastas. There's really no wrong way or right way to eat pasta. It's just a matter of what you like the best. It's like wine. People say, you know, what's a good wine? Well, if you like it, it's a good wine. You That's know? right. <laughs> it's the same thing with, with a pasta or a sauce. You know, a lot of people prefer my daughter, she'll only eat angel hair. That's every now and then she'll eat penne, but angel hair is. Is this thing. like a grown up daughter or a little She's a teenager now, but oh. pretty pretty much since she was younger. She just likes angel hair pasta. That's what she likes. Because it's soft and it's easy to eat. Mm -hmm. um, some people like a little al dente, a little crunch to their pasta. I like somewhere in between, like you had said earlier with the pappardelle. Somewhere in between, usually you cook this one perfectly. I still like alphabet pasta. <laughs> That's a kid thing, you know. Again, Not so much like with the good. sauce because it, it's uh, too much for it. But, yeah. you know, in uh, chicken soup or, or even when you're sick, you know, just with a little bit of uh, um, salt and butter, you know, yep. or oil and butter, yep. it, uh, it's a nice thing uh, to have. Yeah, just Sometimes just a little butter and a little salt, it makes, it makes pasta great. You know, it reminds me of being a kid as, as well, you know. It, it does. It, it, so, But, you know, it was good to grow up and uh, graduate to to the world of pasta where you can make so many different things. Um, I have a question for you. Sure. Is there something special you do with this red sauce to keep it from overwhelming the lobster? Well, I think with lobster, lobster can be delicate, but not always. Lobster, the flavor of lobster. So what happens with, with this particular dish? Um, the lobster meat is already cooked. Mm-hmm. Almost all the way through. Not and quite. we're talking tails? Yep, tails. And we use this particular dish, we use the whole lobster. So you're okay. actually getting two claws, the knuckles, and the whole tail. Uh, we'll take it out of the shell, yep. and we'll cook. The dish is pretty much cooked before we put the lobster in. So you kind of put it in at the last minute. Right. You put it in there at the with, beginning. With every kind of shellfish, <laughs> because it cooks so quickly. It does. I'm glad you brought your own cold, because I have one also. Yes, I know. <laughs> we're giving, not giving it to each no, other. So. On the tail end, I think. But... Uh, no, I think, with, with again, like you said, with shellfish, uh, people tend to overcook shellfish a little bit. Mm -hmm. They think you don't want to put it in this. So th but this one, even with shrimp, you put it. we put it in at the last minute of the dish. So the lobster still is fresh and vibrant. It's not really soaking up all the flavor of the sauce. So it's got its own flavor. It does. Rather when you than, get that yeah. bite, you get the bite. You taste the lobster, and you taste the pasta sauce as well, but they work well together. Mm -hmm. um, I say the same thing with scallops. Scallops is great in pasta. Um, we do a, a dish where you take a little bit of sweet wine, whether it be marsala wine or sherry, and you add that with a little bit of cream and some Parmesan, and you put the scallops in there. And the sweetness of the scallops, the saltiness of the Parmesan, the creaminess of the cream, and the, the wine just really brings the whole dish together. But the scallops have to go into the last second because if you overcook a scallop, 
It's like you said. I know. It should be like butter. It, it should, should be cutting through butter. Yep. And uh, I, I do a dish like that, but it's uh, mushrooms, onions, sherry, and uh, just a tiny bit of butter. And it really brings out, and then the scallops go in. Brings out the flavor. Sometimes shrimp, you know, yep. but, but usually scallops, sometimes just on toast. Oh, yeah, well, that works well, too. Good yeah, combination well too. when there's nothing in the house, you know. But uh, it, it it's fascinating to me how there's been a lot of crossover over the centuries in pasta as well because the, the parpadelle, there's a, a rice noodle version of it that's used in Thai cooking sure. and yep. uh, some Chinese cooking. Well, and that's, that's the thing we always associate, well, not always, but a lot of us associate uh, pasta with Italy. But it's all over the world. In Middle Eastern countries, I mean, they're using pasta like crazy. Yeah. Um, they're putting it in all their dishes, couscous, and they've been doing it for centuries too. It's not uh, it's not an Italian thing. So it really is. It really does cross all boundaries, pasta in everything. So it goes in soups or whether it's rices. And these days, a lot of options out there too for people that have gluten allergies. Gluten free pasta made from rice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little trickier to cook, so you got to be careful. We do offer it oh, at our that, restaurant. Is that true? It is. It gets a little gummy. Gets a little, uh, little sticky. If you don't cook it just right, you got to so make sure the water is clean. under a little bit more. Yeah, you tell do. me about that. I, you do I, have to cook it know. under a little bit more. You have to make sure you have a little oil in your water, a little salt in your water, to really kind of so keep it from binding together. Um, and this is for, in much. general for rice pastas. In general for rice pasta. Yep. Um, so we do that. We do it at, at the restaurant, but we have to. That has to be cooked to order. So on a busy Saturday night, we might cook up a little bit of pasta al dente, mm-hmm. and then we just finish it off in the water. Um, when you, rice pasta. Uh, no, regular pasta. Oh, regular pasta. Rice pasta, you yeah. have to cook it to order. You have to cook it to order. You have so. to, because if it sits if around, even if you oil it, if it sits around, it yeah. really, the rice is like a sponge. It soaks up everything around it, uh-huh. so it really just kind of gets a little too gooey. I see. So, what dish do you, are, you know, dishes in particular that you use it in? I'm not going to pour over the menu right now. Cause well, we, I don't have, I don't have one head. that I actually is is on the menu that says this is particularly made with that pasta, oh, but our pasta dishes are offered. Yes, oh, they're offered. So. so if somebody wants to turn this into gluten free, we would. I would have a gluten free. I don't have a pappardelle gluten free, but I have a linguine. Mm-hmm. So I would use that linguine to make this dish. Um, the macaronis of the gluten free tend to be the ones that really soak up all the liquids and get. And a there's so much meat. surface area. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But the but the the angel hairs and the fettuccine and linguine they're a little easier to cook with, but they take a little longer to cook. Hmm. So, Interesting. Yep. It. Uh, are you cooking those from dry or from dry? Uh, those yeah. are from dry. These are fresh pastas that mm-hmm. we that come in frozen. They stay in the freezer until you're ready to cook them. So they're made fresh and then frozen. There's a great. lot of companies out there that do that, and they're great. They taste like you made them at home. It you know it works it works well um, even in the grocery store if you get pasta in the refrigerated <laughs> section and it's a it's a you know buy one get one or something yep. like that you can stock up a little bit and keep them in the freezer. Yep. Because all you have to do is basically add a minute. A lot or of those come in cooking. little little nests too that are pre-portioned, which are great too when you when you're cooking for guests at home. Um, I was going to ask you about the nests. Yeah. Are, are those, uh, um, I noticed that the dry pasta comes that way also. Yep. Yep. And is there, um, cooking-wise or um, taste-wise, a difference between using angel hair or using angel hair nests? I don't think there is. I, I think that uh, the, the thing about the nests that are funny sometimes is if you get them, sometimes they break up because the way they fold them, you got to be yeah. careful with the, you got to be really careful when you're handling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like they, poaching they, eggs. Exa- exactly. <laughs> Another delicate process. Uh, yeah. But no, they, they cook about the same, and I don't see any difference in the flavor other than uh, sometimes they do taste a little fresher than the real dried ones that you buy. Yeah. So they, a little bit. You can Sometimes you can tell the difference. Not always. Mm-hmm. Depends on how you're eating it. If you're eating it very bare bones with just a little salt and a little butter, then sometimes you can tell the difference. And I, I tend to go with, with the nests than I do with the just regular straight guide. When, if you're careful and you cook, 
and cook them so that the nests stay together. It makes such a cool presentation. It really does. You yep. know, so if you're having company over, you can fill the the center well with uh, whatever you want, and then even uh, in some of the dishes, I'll occasionally put an egg over the top. Oh yeah, you yep. know, and that always egg. looks great. That's a yeah, great it presentation. Does. Yeah, yep. so um, so those are you can buy those dry or or fresh, I yep. guess. Yep, mm -hmm. buy them in the refrigerated section or dried, and uh, they they always come out great. Again, you you really can't go wrong with pasta. I mean, you can overcook it, and then sometimes that's not a good thing, but. Um, generally, you can't go wrong because it's, it's again, it's what you like, whatever flavors you like. If you like a red sauce, then a red sauce is always great, and there's a million of those out there you can buy, mm -hmm. or you can make your own. It's so simple to make. There, there are so many things, and I noticed that um, just recently. I noticed that uh, one of the big sauce makers came out with a, a no sugar added uh, version, yep. and it's been. If you watch uh, nutritional labels at the grocery store, you'll see that uh, the amount of sugar in pa in uh, pasta sauce has been going down. If you, I know it's sort of sacrilege, but we well, we don't all have time at, at home to. Cook our own we, pasta. We, no, we don't. And, and trust me, I don't always either. I, I mean, our, our own sauce. You know? I don't always at home so. either. Sometimes if we know we have a pasta, we'll grab a jar of sauce. Yeah. Uh, and it's a good base if you uh, add some red wine yep. and some fresh garlic. garlic if you and, want. Yeah. Yep. You can really, on the same page here. You can beef it up and make it your own. Like you can with a lot of dishes. You know, you can make stuff at home and, and, and beef it up. But you're right. Um, there, there is a lot of sugar in tomato sauce mm -hmm. traditionally, but it has been coming down. My wife's a uh, diabetic, so we, we pay very close attention to sugar. But when I make mine, it... At the restaurant, what I'll do is I'll, my sauce will cook for about four hours. After about three hours, that's when I'll start tasting it and seeing where, where the acid level is at. And mm -hmm. That's what the sugar's for. So To balance it out. If the tomatoes have a lot of acid, the, t the particular tomatoes that you're using have a lot of acid in them, you put the sugar in there slowly. You don't just pour a bunch of sugar in there. Right, you can't reverse right. it. Mm -hmm. So you put the sugar in there slowly and let it cook a little 10-minute in increments, and then you taste it and see how and you try to get that just right balance where it's not too sweet, like sometimes a pizza sauce can be. But it's just sweet enough so that it complements all the other flavors. So, and you're talking about starting with tomatoes. Yep. Good use if you have a lot of tomatoes coming in at once. That is a good way to use it's, them. It's nice at the end of the summer with your garden if you want to make your own sauce. But there's also a lot of great canned tomatoes out there that come straight from Italy. There's a particular brand that I use that I've been using for 25 years. But they're they they call them kitchen ready in the store, and that means they've been pureed and they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. And you're basically just using whatever you use as a base. Whether like with mine, I start with lots of garlic, onion chopped up zucchini that started that years ago to get my kids to eat vegetables. Ah, good for anyone because it adds fiber. And, yeah, and you and, dice them up small yeah. and it really it, it really works well with the flavors of the onions mm -hmm. and the garlic. And you start with that and then, you know, whatever tomato you, you like to use or try, some people add some stewed tomatoes in there to give it a little chunkiness if you want that. I hear um, a lot of people rave about Marzano. Uh, that's yep. a region, right? Yep, so San Marzano, Marzano tomatoes are world acclaimed. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of great regions out there too. But yeah. uh, but San Marzano, yeah, they're they're really get their foot in the door first. Yeah, they did. They did. They they good marketing and they they have a great product. They they really are a well-rounded, well-balanced, not too acidic tomato, and that's really. But they they use them for sauce because they're not too acidic. They've got some sweetness to them, um, and they just they're they're growing the right place. Yeah, I I do love those, and and uh, you know I find not only for tomato sauce but for chili. Oh yeah, I like to get yep. the whole um, tomatoes, whole peeled tomatoes for chili because then you can chop it up. And I, yep. you know, especially in the vegetarian chili, I like to have some pieces of tomato. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, and there's so. a couple of dishes that you know we do at the restaurant too. A classic uh, Italian dish, capellini pomodoro. A pomodoro sauce is traditionally not a marinara type sauce like that. It's a fresh tomato sauce. Mm -hmm. So we'll do that. We'll have more like a summer sauce. Exactly. So you'll have like a stewed tomato or a 
whole peeled tomato and you just crush them in your hands right in the pan. Yep. That's how you make the sauce. So you got big chunks in there. Blanch, well, we should juice. start at the beginning and say blanch them first and slip the um, skin off. If you're using whole tomatoes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. You want to put a little, you put a little X slice in the top of the tomato and then you blanch them. The skin comes off nice and easy. That goes at the uh, core end? Yes. Yep. Just right where X. you pick it from the, um, from the vine. Yep. And you pull and them off and as soon as they're cool enough where you can work with them, you can peel them. Yep. Um, and it makes for a great sauce. I'm always amazed at how easy that is to do. It is amazing. Isn't it? Said, oh, it came off. <laughs> it's, like, it's like roasting a red pepper. They say the same thing. You know, we, we use red pepper in a few of our dishes, but you roast it in the oven. You put it, you know, little tricks where you put it in a paper bag, you take it out, and the skin just falls off almost. All right. Tell me that trick because I, I don't do that. So, red peppers, you can mm -hmm. roast them in the oven. Um, and you can do it with a little olive oil on them if you want, or you can do them dry. I like a little olive oil, it loosens them up a little. Cook them whole in the oven. In, don't in a paper them. bag? Well, you cook them in the oven first. When you, as oh, soon okay. as they come out of the oven, while they're hot, you put them in, a, in some sort of container. A paper bag works really well because it steams them. Mm -hmm. So when they come out of the oven, nice and hot, with little char marks on it, let it sit in a paper bag for 10, 15 minutes. When you take them out, the skin comes off easy because if you've ever peeled uh, red peppers when they're not properly cooked, boy, you can do it for a long time. <laughs> you can be peeling little pieces <laughs> off and... Stick to your gloves and your hands. You better get a philosophy going. You know, you better be working on your yeah, inner self exactly. if you're going to be doing that. It's yeah, like peeling yeah. walnuts. Yeah, you, you, know? Don't to, you don't want to do that before service on a busy Saturday night at a restaurant. Right, so, right. Uh, but there's so, always a lot of tricks to the trade, and that's one of them with peppers and with the tomatoes, putting the slice on the top. That's that's a nice little This trick. is why I always love to be in a commercial kitchen, because you are learning constantly, you know. Constantly. It doesn't um, matter how long you've been doing it. I tell my cooks, my younger cooks, I say, when I hire them or when I bring them on, I say, I mean, you're gonna, I can teach you a lot, but I'm going to learn a lot from you, too, because mm -hmm. you come from different backgrounds and different places. Uh, it's like the world of food, the world of wine. You can never know everything. It's interesting because I feel like in some ways you can never um, create uh, something absolutely new um, in food because there are so many sources we all yep. eat. You know, it's, it's universal, um, but you can constantly be learning new things because there's so many ways to do things. That's true. And uh, we had a recipe in today's paper for uh, a tangine. Did I say that uh, properly? Yes, you did. You <laughs> um, and uh, it, it was talking about how you can speed the process up uh, rather than using the domed cover. Um, and, you know, a lot of people mm. uh, busy, lots of things going on, yep. kids and activities and, and work and everything. Yep. So sometimes those recipes are very helpful. But yeah, so you, cooking can be a long process, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a quick meal you can throw together. That can be fantastic. And um, for some people, I know a colleague of mine who who was always feeding us uh, went home on her day off and said uh, she planned to cook today. She may be watching. So, Mary, what are you making? Um, but um, she planned to cook today because, you know, she teaches a class occasionally. She It's relaxing for her. Sure. To be in, in the house, you know, her and, and the kid in and, you know, just cooking away. Yep. So, well, it can um, be very uh, therapeutic to cook. That's yep. what I find, and that's probably why I've been doing it for 35 years. But, you know, the difference with, with a, a chef is that you're, one, leading your kitchen of people, and, two, able to do it under incredible pressure. How many people do you generally get at, um, you know, at like a Saturday service? It, it, it can range depending on the time of the year. Um, because we're a private club, it's, it's a little less than you would see in some places, mm -hmm. uh, but generally around 75 to 100 people. Do you know most of your customers? I know almost every member there. Probably, so every, I probably do know every member it's there. Probably yeah. a good a thing, not only in terms of flavor, but in terms of like allergies or yes. or preferences, because you can, you know, very much so. Tell they can tell you, right? Yeah, very much so. And I, I'm uh, the kind of chef that I'm in the dining room a lot. So I'm so if you, if you if you're eating in my dining room, you'll see me. I'll be out there talking to you, check on your food, see how everything's going. 
Um, I always follow my dishes out there when I can, excuse me, sure. uh, to talk to people and see how everything is. And good or bad, I'm out there, you know. Mm -hmm. And and uh, it um, now tell me there this is a big menu for a, for a, a somewhat small club and that's our winter menu it's a little larger in the summer and oh I see that you've named something after the owner here Harry Shrimp yep that's um, something that actually was on that. the menu before I even came on that's a staple on their menu colossal shrimp um, uh, chilled with cocktail sauce or or, uh, or grilled with roasted garlic aioli and lemon yep. that sounds good. Um, is there a couple of dishes here that you particularly like um, when you're, you know, to have a break from service and uh, and that you make at home? There's quite a few that I make at home on there. Excuse me. Um, the scallops I mentioned earlier with the marsala cream sauce, uh, mm -hmm. that's something my wife and I love. We actually discovered that one by accident. We were uh, living on Martha's Vineyard and we found these little smoked scallops at the at the local market. And we put those at home, and I put a little cream and a little Parmesan. Next thing I know, well, that's the greatest thing I've ever had. How do you get your cream to not break? Uh, that's a good question for a lot of people. But uh, the cream's got to be cold, and the pan's got to be hot. So okay. I, I get the pan. So, so just, that we're running out of time, but just quickly tell me, if you're going to do that dish, tell that, me the, the quick steps. That particular dish, and I tell all my cooks, making a sauce is, is about building the sauce. Mm -hmm. You don't just throw everything in a pan and wait for it to happen. Right. So you start with a hot pan, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of diced shallots. Mm -hmm. Let that start to cook. When I get a little brown on there, I'll add just a quarter cup of white wine just to let that reduce a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then the cream goes in, and the cream goes in slow, and you stir as you're putting it in. Oh, okay. And, and that's, then, that'll and keep you, it from yep, falling apart. And then the Parmesan, which is what thickens it up a little bit. And then you don't let it overcook because it will break. If it starts boiling, it'll break. So you want to bring uh -huh. it to a very slow boil, and then it's ready to go. Okay. And uh, all of our cooking in our restaurant comes from the pan into your plate and right to the dining room. And this is true of any dish, really, a pasta dish that's using uh, that's using cheese because it, um, you know, I, I was unfortunately at a party where the mac and cheese tasted okay, but you could tell the cheese had broken, you know, so yeah. yep. it, uh, or the cream had broken. Yeah, it won't always hurt the flavor, but together. the consistency yeah. and the texture changes. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't look as pretty so. One last question about pasta. Yep. Are we yay or nay on this introduction of uh, vegetables as pasta? You know, the zucchini, uh, linguine, and all that stuff? I like it, and the reason I like it is because uh, years and years ago, uh, my wife's vegetarian, but years and years ago, we started. she started bringing spaghetti squash in. Let's make spaghetti squash. And I was like, spaghetti? Which, before I even had it, I, I, was, I don't even know what that is, spaghetti yeah. squash. And uh, she brought it home one day and cooked it. How's it going to be like spaghetti? And after she cooked it, and took it, and my wife's a pretty good cook, too. After we, she took it took it out of the pan and put it and put the sauce on it, Mm -hmm. I said, it tastes like spaghetti. You, you know? should explain that it looks like uh, a squash, but you cut it in half, and then as you take it out, it has a it's stringy. Sort of a, yeah, yeah, it's, it's stringy almost like, like a like a fettuccine or a linguine uh -huh. when it comes out in a whole sauce. So I have tried the the zucchini uh, and the squash. We you buy that little machine there yep. that makes pasta out of it. I like it. I like the spaghetti squash the best, but I do I do like those. So Nothing I replaces like the, the traditional the ones, pasta for me. Right, that's true. That's true. And and you don't have the same feeling. But anyway, Chef, I, I can't thank you enough for coming. Thanks Everybody, for don't me. forget tomorrow is World Pasta Day. I know I'm in the mood for pasta. I'm going to make up something or, or go out some really good restaurants around. Yes. And uh, we thank you for joining us. And come again next week, and we'll have more of your neighbors on. Thanks. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.